through downtown, through greater Cleveland on 102.5 FM. It's the Bob France Authority. Yes, indeed. An hour number two now underway. Thanks for being with us. Ten minutes past ten o'clock. We're going to forego the traditional Reagan top of the hour open so that we have a little bit more time with our guest. Joining us now from the Trump-Pence 2020 re-election campaign is senior advisor Katrina Pearson on AM 1420 The Answer. Katrina, good to have you on the, on the air here in Cleveland, site of the first debate tomorrow. Are you in town, by the way, Katrina? Well, good morning. I'm actually headed your way here this afternoon. Perfect. Beautiful. So, yeah, we're so excited to have the first event here in Cleveland tomorrow between the president and uh, Joe Biden. And uh, and I'm glad you're able to come on and talk about it a little bit with us. I want to start with something about this election, Katrina, uh, you know, that that seems to be on every, the, you know, at least close to the forefront of everyone's minds as it pertains to issues here. And that is the acceptance of the results, if uh, uh, depending on how they go on November 3rd. This is something the president said in uh, said uh, yesterday, actually. This is really a recipe for chaos. So when you look at what happened in Iowa, and again, that was run by very smart people. It was a very limited election. It was very small numbers we're talking about. Talking about doing that for the entire nation. And you could forget about November 3rd because you're going to be counting these things forever. Katrina, the president is talking about an Iowa election, of course, in which they couldn't find the results for weeks and weeks and weeks because of mail-in voting and all of the potential problems, whether they be legitimate problems because of, uh, you know, competence or fraud uh, and other things that might be done here. So the president is saying it's chaos if we rely on mail-in voting. How do you uh, analyze that as a senior advisor to the campaign? Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's the point. You know, the Democrats have been saying, you know, since 2015, that Donald Trump wouldn't accept the election results when, in fact, it's been the Democrats who, to this day, have been unable to accept the election results. So this is clearly more projection. What we have today is a completely different scenario where he mentions uh, Iowa, where they still don't know the election results because of all of the new things that they're doing, and not to mention some of the states who, in the 25th hour, are changing the law. So, of course, he has every right to be concerned about the initial results. You know, whatever happens will happen and we'll fight it all the way. But that is the point here. We know for a fact that dead people are voting. A dead cat voted. These are things that have to be taken into consideration with the seriousness of an election. So the president's just simply saying, we're going to have to wait and see what happens. Because we know now that, you know, for instance, ballots were found discarded. Yeah, no doubt. And and, uh, Katrina Pearson, the president, uh, cited several different examples. The Pennsylvania ballots you're talking about, the Wisconsin situation. There have been multiple states where we have seen problems like this. And so the integrity of the vote, and what's frustrating, and I'm sure to you and to the president and everybody else on Team Trump, is the fact that it's become a Sunday morning talking point that President Trump won't say, yes, I'll accept the results of the election and there will be a smooth uh, transition of power. When Hillary Clinton said publicly about a month ago, Joe Biden should not concede this election under any circumstances, even if he loses. And Joe Biden has not disavowed that for one second. Why is it always so one-sided, Katrina? Well, I mean, there's this constant double standard, right? Again, uh, 2016, it's like Groundhog's Day. Um, Everything is just coming full circle. And they they want it their way. They want their cake and they want to eat it, too. They're trying to convince the public um, that when they do try to steal the election, that that should be the end of the result. And Hillary Clinton still thinks she won, by the way. So you have this delusion that's going on on the left, and they're projecting all of uh, of their uh, activities onto the right. And it's just a 
probably not going to work because when, at the end of the day, when you look and compare the two candidates, and we'll have a perfect opportunity to see this on Tuesday without a media filter, all of America will know which candidate is for them and which candidate is for themselves uh, and which candidate is coherent enough to explain the difference. Ah, very well said, uh, because Joe, Joe Biden, of course, we all know. Look, do, do you view, Katrina, the Kamala Harris choice as vice president as being as significant as, as I do and others? Because, you know, normally the vice presidential pick is not really going to move a lot of needles. You know, uh, it, it, it's there, but it's, it's not that big of a deal. I don't think anybody thought, hey, I'm voting for Trump because he chose Mike Pence. That's not a dis, dis, uh, you know, a, 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 an insult to Mike Pence or not intended to be, but it's just that the vice presidential pick isn't usually that important. But when he picked Kamala Harris, it mattered so much more because I don't know anybody who believes that Joe Biden is going to be mentally fit enough to finish a first term. And and therefore, Kamala Harris needs to be vetted as a presidential candidate, not a vice presidential candidate. Well, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's uh, one of the reasons why after their convention, you know, the president's campaign got a bump. Uh, because most people did recognize and see that Kamala Harris is a phony. And it's just that simple. Um, she has a, a record of, of one of the reasons why she didn't even pull the black vote in, in South Carolina was because of her own record for black Americans, the pinnacle of Joe Biden's campaign. And you'll remember this when he launched. He was running because of what was it? Charlottesville. He based his entire campaign on race, something that didn't even exist, thinking that she could help his ticket. And she didn't help his ticket because of her own record. Kamala Harris will be controlled by the radical left. They've already submitted and that's what people are looking at. And and I'll tell you this, I can't wait for the Kamala Harris vice president Pence debate because he's going to be ready for her. No question about it. We're talking with uh, Katrina Pearson. She's a senior advisor to the Trump 2020 reelection campaign. You mentioned the Charlottesville lie. Joe Biden has repeated that lie, despite it being debunked six ways from Sunday, even by uh, liberal networks like CNN. Uh, never happened. <clears throat> Excuse me. And yet um, he continues to repeat it. Do you think when they get to that segment of the debate tomorrow, and Chris Wallace has said the role of race and the riding that's going on in America is going to be a topic, one of the issues he's going to ask about, do you think Joe Biden will have the guts to repeat that Charlottesville lie to the face of the president? I do, because I don't think that Joe Biden has the wherewithal to even understand what's happening. I think he's just repeating whatever um, his team has been telling him to say, and the president will be very well equipped. Um, to point out that Jake Tapper himself has said that that has been debunked, that was never said, and the public has been misled this entire time. So, again, the, the opportunity for the president to, to really tell America what he has actually said and done, um, which hasn't been done in, in years. And it's truly unfortunate and a disservice to the American people. So, you know, personally, I'm, I'm just excited for the president to be able to, to tell the country you know, what he's thinking, what he's feeling, what he's done, and what he wants to do in the future. Katrina, how is the president preparing for this debate? And I ask that for for two reasons. Number one, just literally time and logistics. He is tireless. He is in one city to the next, to the next, to the next, doing rally after rally after rally, stopping off in D.C. to sign historic Middle East peace accords, which is incredible, and then back on the trail. He has been so busy. Joe Biden is doing nothing, and I assume they are really, really doing a lot of uh, mock debates and, and practicing. So, so does the president have the time 
and and the wherewithal to actually sit there and do you know mock debates. And the other reason, this, the second part of this is, um, I think the president just enjoys going off the cuff. I think he enjoys casual. I'm going to take it as it comes, and and maybe you know prepared remarks are not going to be something that he relies upon. What can you tell us? Well, yeah, when you think about it, um, the contention that our president is under all day, every day, with the number of press briefings and, and and all of the things that he's had to deal with from Russia to impeachment, his entire tenure has been debate prep. So I think um, you're right. He likes being out there with the people, and, and that is definitely uh, where he gains a lot of his energy from. But it is also debate prep because he's having to deal with all of these things all of the time on a daily basis in a very combative way. And I can't think of any other way to debate prep than to to have the media as the murder board going into this uh, debate on Tuesday. So um, I say everybody buckle up. It should be a great show. I want to pivot here quickly, Katrina, to ask you about Amy Coney Barrett and what is being done to her. You're a working mom. Uh, I, I cannot believe the attacks that she is under for having seven children. And then, you know, of course, she has been a highly successful, extraordinarily well-respected appellate judge in the Seventh Circuit. But now suddenly she can't possibly serve as a Supreme Court Associate Justice while having seven kids because she's going to either neglect the kids. Uh, one of them said something about it. She's going to have a closet full of nannies to raise her kids. Uh, but she can't do do the her job on the court while raising kids at the same time i found that so insulting to all working women working mothers well leave it up to the liberal feminists to attack feminism you know uh this again is one of the double standards and it's truly unfortunate but you know for me as a woman as a working uh woman with a, a child all i have to say is i'm just very happy that the liberal left has really shown their true colors over the last few years showing women that the, the liberal left does not care about women and their choices, showing the, showing the American people that you know, their politicians don't care about the Constitution and what it says and what it means to, to be qualified or be nominated for that matter. But this is what the president has been able to do so successfully, is reflect to the country where everything has gone wrong in politics, wrong in society, and how he has stepped up and in just one term made so many course corrections and I think Americans are going to be grateful for it. Do you believe that uh, Amy Coney Barrett will be confirmed by November 3rd? Um, I believe she's going to be confirmed. Can't tell you the date, um, but, you know, I'm just excited. She's definitely somebody whom I've been had my eye on for since the beginning. Um, I had so much admiration for her, and I do hope that she's um, confirmed sooner rather than later. I think she's a home run, and that's, of course, what uh, you know the Democrats fear that she is as well. She's a home run for constitutionalism and originalism, and that's why they have threatened to retaliate. If she is confirmed and they win the Senate, we're going to pack the court. Now, they have said that literally. We will do all of these things in order to try to scare or threaten uh, Republicans from voting to confirm her. Joe Biden, on the flip side, won't say whether or not he would pack the court because his answer would become a, quote, big issue. How does he get away? How can he get away with not answering important questions like that, such as, A, give us a list of your Supreme Court picks, and B, will you support court packing if uh, President, if uh, the, the uh, Democrats win control of the Senate? Don't, don't we deserve to know that before we cast votes? There are many things that the American people need to know uh, from Joe Biden, but the media serves as his protector. They are the ones who've been coddling him this entire time while he's been in the basement, while he has not been out campaigning asking for votes. They don't hold him accountable. He'll have an interview, and he won't even be asked a tough question. And that's why Tuesday night is so important, because the president seems to be the only one 
with the opportunity to force Joe Biden to answer the tough questions, and he's going to do exactly that Tuesday night. Tuesday night in Cleveland. It's the first presidential debate tomorrow night, and uh, we're very much looking forward to it. Katrina Pearson with a preview and an analysis of where we are in this election cycle. She's a senior advisor to the Trump-Pence 2020 campaign. Katrina, thank you for the great work you do and your support of our president. Uh, Best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you. Great to be with you. Thank you so much. That's Katrina Pearson on AM 1420. The answer. Did you hear that, by the way? What the last question I asked her? Did you hear what Biden said about whether or not he would support court packing? I am not, and I, I, I know you're going to be upset with my answer. But what I'm not going to do is play the Trump game, which is a good game he plays. Take your eye off the issue before us. If I were to say yes or no to that. That becomes a big issue. That's the headline here. Exactly. Sleepy Joe. Of course it's an issue if you who want to be the president of the United States actually tell the people what you would do when you were president of the United States. That's why we're asking. And that's why you should be compelled to answer. It should be a big issue. It should be a big headline. Biden supports court packing. People should know that before they vote for you for president of the United States. 1023. We'll be right back. There must be some kind of way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. We don't get fooled again. 1027 and 1420, The Answer. Thanks again for being with us. Thanks to Katrina Pearson joining us uh, from the Trump-Pence campaign. Let's go back to the phone calls here before the bottom of the hour. By the way, we're guest-free until 11 o'clock now, so if you want to get in line, do so. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Going out to Wayne County now. Judy, you are on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for your patience. Judy, go right ahead. Hey, no problem, Bob. I love your show. I found you accidentally. I listen on my phone every morning. Um, I well, have, wonderful. Uh, I'm glad you found us. I Well, I lost you a long time ago with that other station. Um, I have a quick question and then a quick comment. Um, regarding okay. the, the incident at the high school, um, what is the reaction with the kids in that as far as when they play the national anthem? Please tell me there's no kneeling going on or anything like that. <sighs> Um, there was on the Lakewood side of the field. I didn't catch a number. Uh, I would say maybe a half a dozen uh, or so. Uh, but, but like I said, I wasn't counting. I was still kind of in shock. Plus, when the anthem is going on, I'm staring at the flag. That's just the way I do it, uh, and most people do it. I'm staring at the flag with my hand on my heart. And I'm not really looking at the other side. But I did glance over and catch, I don't know, maybe maybe four, five, six, half dozen or so, or just, just under or just over that uh, people who were kneeling on that side. This is so bad, it breaks my heart. And there is one way to end the kneeling for the flag. Put a picture of our great President Trump up on the scoreboard. And when they play the national anthem, say, we will now stand for the national anthem or kneel before your president. I have heard that one before, uh, Judy, and it's a good one. Thanks for the call. That'll drive people nuts. Um, but, but in all truth, you know, and that's a funny one for the professional games at brown stadium that would be really really funny but i don't want a picture of donald trump i don't want a black lives matter flag i don't want a picture of joe biden 
I don't want any of those things interrupting a high school football event. This is high school football. These are students. These are your kids there to play a high school football game, not to debate and discuss politics, which is what made it so extraordinarily uh, inappropriate for Lakewood to, to do what they did in that case, in that situation, for them to play the, the black national anthem and then to tell everybody how racist the United States of America is. The death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Tamir Rice, among others, remind us of the systemic racism that persists across so many of our nation's institutions society as a whole it was inappropriate it was wrong it's the wrong place the wrong time not to mention the wrong information because none of that is true it is just part of the leftist political indoctrination of kids they do it inside lakewood state or lakewood city schools classrooms and now apparently they want to take it into the stadiums as well more of your reactions coming up on am 1420 the answer Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, 1035, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Good Monday to you. We are just a day away from the first presidential debate. A lot of uh, really important stuff going on in advance of that debate. The president apparently... In the latest new October surprise, you know, probably twice weekly scandal that the left is going to drum up to try to hurt him with, uh, the latest one is taxes. The New York Times claims that Donald Trump only paid $750 in taxes on his millions in earnings. And oh, by the way, he also lost a ton of money, so he's a terrible businessman, um, which, by the way, is kind of interesting. They are claiming that he is so wealthy, he should be paying more taxes, but then they are claiming he's so terrible at business, he's lost money, so then how would he have to pay taxes? Kind of interesting, right? There's, I mean, there, there's a lot of information, there's a lot of stuff to, to kind of gather here, and, and I just want to share a, a few comments from a thread, a Twitter thread. I don't normally, you know, I, I got rid of Twitter, but uh, Ryan Ellis is... Um, uh, a tax lobbyist and a tax preparer, and he is the pres- uh, president of a uh, um, an accounting firm, and he wanted some information to be known as people sit here and scream that the president is paying less in taxes than you are while making millions of dollars more. You need to learn just a little bit about uh, uh, what the tax code is about and what the New York Times tried to do here, the shell game that they're trying to play. Let's start with the obvious. While the reporters... Uh, and newspapers are held harmless by uh, the First Amendment to the Constitution, giving them the right under free press to say anything they want uh, and to leak anything that they want. It doesn't make it right. Whoever leaked these tax returns is likely guilty of multiple felonies to give these things to the New York, to the New York Times. So that's number one. The president has the same right to privacy in his tax returns that you or I have. I'm all for voluntary disclosure by the president and candidates, but as an enrolled agent, I cannot emphasize enough what a violation of trust this leak is. As to the facts of the case or the the story in the New York Times, I think the reporters, writes Ryan Ellis, are guilty of some of the truthful hyperbole Trump accuses himself of. They report normal, albeit large, tax deductions as being extraordinary. 
consulting fees, legal fees, bad debt deductions, depreciation, charitable contributions, capital losses, passive loss deductions, etc., are all part and parcel of what tax returns look like for high-income folks. There's nothing unusual about finding them in President Trump's returns. What is unusual about Trump's tax returns are the size and velocity of these items. I suspect this is a man who has had gushers, gushes of income and gushers of legitimate expenses and well-placed to offset over time. There's nothing wrong with that. Here is where the story could do a better job explaining the distinction between tax evasion, which is illegal, and tax avoidance, which is reducing taxes via legal planning and something we all should do. As an example of small-time tax avoidance, Imagine you have some appreciated Coca-Cola stock. Rather than sell the shares and pay the capital gains tax, you donate them to your favorite charity and then deduct the values as a charitable write-off. The tax code is full of these legal, legitimate tax planning opportunities. In order to use them, you usually have to risk significant capital, be willing to endure years of losses, and generally be in the business of business, which Donald Trump is. If you want the certainty of a nice, warm W-2 and a home mortgage and a 401k plan, you're not in business. You work for those who put themselves out there to take risks. So tax avoidance is not available to you. If you want them, start a small business. Be in business. Just be uh, prepared to pay a lot in taxes. You wouldn't know it by reading this hatchet job of a story, but our tax system is extremely progressive. The more you earn, the more you pay in taxes. Trump did in years where he wasn't recovering business losses. So whether Trump's tax planning and those of his advisors meets tax law obligations is a matter between him and the IRS. But the items themselves are perfectly legitimate, and we have no insight into the discrete details of the claims. This story is nothing more than orange mad, uh, the orange man bad version of gotcha pieces that general uh, liberal journalists routinely run about how big companies don't pay taxes. The stories invariably cherry-pick years and items favorable to the story's bias. I strongly suspect that the only blue checkmark types and liberal activists will care about this story, or rather that they will be the ones who care about this story. Tax experts see tie goes to the runner aggressiveness, but not much more than that. Rich guy wheels and deals film at 11. So, The epitaph to that, by the way, also by Ryan Ellis, is tax avoidance isn't just for the Trump family. Joe Biden and his sons do it all the time. And so do many other people who are in business. That's what this is about. And to sum it all up, Larry Elder, and I mentioned this to Jim Jordan, Larry Elder said, breaking news, businessman seeks to minimize taxes. Hashtag Trump tax returns. He's right. That's it. At the end of the day, that's it. Donald Trump tried to legitimately and legally lower his taxes, particularly in the years in which his businesses and investments suffered losses, which, again, is also part of the equation. And the last part about this I'll share with you came from a different friend. Uh, this is an FBI or FBI, a Facebook friend. I saw FBI and said FBI. The, this is a Facebook friend and a real estate investor who wanted you to understand this as well. In certain businesses, especially real estate, which Donald Trump is a real estate mogul, Real estate at a high level, it's very possible to, quote, lose money every year or certain years and also gain massive net worth simultaneously while legally not paying any taxes. If you're a real estate investor, you can buy a building, collect rent on it, and use all the revenue for business expenses, including the vehicles you drive, the gas you use, the food you eat, the travel you do. You can use what's left over to put back into the maintenance of the property and do value adds, which is also a tax write-off, dramatically increasing your net worth. 
If your market is hot like New York City, your properties will greatly increase in value. You can then borrow against the value, which isn't considered income, and live a lavish lifestyle and pay virtually no taxes. All perfectly legally. In short, you technically lost money to where your income isn't taxed, yet you gained a huge amount of wealth and net worth and can still live a wealthy lifestyle. And that's all 100% legal, and business people all over America do it every single year. Donald Trump just happens to be one of them, and he's the President of the United States. It does not make him a tax cheat. Hope that's clear. Okay, uh, Jerry is in Brexville on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks for your patience there, Jerry. I had some information I I needed to disseminate, but I appreciate you hanging in. Go right ahead. That was good information, Bob. But uh, this uh, Lakewood thing urinates me off to no extent. Uh, What worries me, Bob, is that whoever made that talk, who was authorized, and whoever authorized it, somebody should go down the line and fire them. And another thing that bothers me, how does this affect our white students? I mean, every time you turn around, it's BLMs, the uh, Black National Anthem, and all this stuff. I I think if I was a white student, I'd be kind of depressed about all this. And uh, one other thing I wanted to bring up is the Republican Party. If we don't get more solidarity among this Republican Party, this Kasich and Romney and these guys... We're going to blow this election wide open. And what a lot of people don't pay attention to also is China taking over the China Sea. Russia having maneuvers and uh, exercises off the coast of Alaska. All this stuff Trump has his eye on, and people don't realize all this is happening. That's all I have to say, Bob. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. God bless you, my friend. Appreciate your phone call. Very, very wide variety of things there that you brought up, and I'll just address the first one first, um, probably only because I want to get to more calls. Uh, as far as who was responsible and who signed off on the Lakewood City Schools presentation of uh, Black Lives Matter, America is racist, uh, you white devils, you, in the pregame of the uh, uh, football game on Friday, I would imagine it goes to the very top because the band director had to teach the band to play, lift every voice and thing and sing, which was a part of their presentation, the Black National Anthem. So this wasn't done secretly. It was a part of their classes, or at least a part of their, I don't know if they actually taught it in band class or if that's just in the band practice, but at any rate, it was taught to the students by the band director. And then, you know, board members go to football games, principals and administrators go to football games. Whoever wrote the script to be read into the PA and to be projected out through the loudspeakers to both sides, making white people feel embarrassed and uncomfortable because we're systemically racist against the black kids who are made to be felt victimized. Whoever wrote that script knew that the, 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 the bosses would be listening, and it was signed off on and approved. Now, does that mean the principal put his little check mark on it? I don't know. Does that mean the board, school board president did, the, the superintendent of schools did? My guess is, yes, this went through everybody's channels. Before they did it. And I agree with you. White students being forced to stand there and listen to uh, more complaints and allegations against the country as being systemically racist and racism, we are told by these people who write this stuff, can only come in one direction. Only white people can be racists. 
according to Black Lives Matter, according to social justice warriors, black people, Latinos, no other race, no other ethnicity can be racist except whites. So when they present to the entirety of that stadium, students and parents and school, school administrators alike, when they say this country is systemically racist, they are saying, white people, all of you are the racists. Brown and black people, all of you are the victims. How is that supposed to promote racial harmony? How is that supposed to promote unity? And the idea that people would be upset by this, if that's, if that's a concern to them, honestly, then they have their heads buried so far in the sand they'll never see the light of day again. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this was uh, there was about a 45 to 60 second or so presentation before the high school football game at Lakewood Stadium Friday night. Um, that included the band playing first, the Lakewood alma mater, which is tradition and fine. And then everyone was asked to remain standing, and they started playing a song most of us had never heard before. We didn't know what it was until the uh, PA announcer told us what it was. It was Lift Every Voice and Sing, which is known as the Black National Anthem and is being played at NFL stadiums as a show of uh, a stand against systemic white racism in America. So this is what they did at a high school game. Listen. As the band plays, lift every voice and sing. Let us pause and reflect on the inequalities that our nation has faced since its beginning. The deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Tamir Rice, among others, remind us of the systemic racism that persists across so many of our nation's institutions and society as a whole. By acknowledging, discussing, and taking action to address these inequalities, Lakewood City Schools aims to be an agent of change, not only in our community, but in the world. We must all take a stand against racism. Let this be the moment when our children someday look back and say, this is when we stood together for change. I was uh, sitting near a police officer friend uh, during that game to say that he and his wife and everyone around all of us were um, upset by what we were hearing is an understatement. What do George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Tamir Rice all have in common? They all lost their lives in encounters with police. By declaring their deaths to be the result of racism, they are calling police racists. And that was at a high school football game. A high school game. Not the WFL, the woke football league that plays on Sunday afternoons. No, this was a high school game on Friday night. Did they honestly think that was going to be okay? Did they honestly think that was, that was acceptable to, to call cops racist, to call white people racist, to call America systemically racist? And since only white people can be racist, then whites are systemically racist. Anybody think that's okay? Anybody think that's going to bring the races together? Anybody think that's going to promote racial harmony? Black students on the sidelines, players, cheerleaders, fans, you are all victims all of the time, oppressed by this system of white supremacy. White people, 
on the sidelines, cheerleaders, band members, fans. You are the oppressors. You are the racists who have made life miserable for these black people before you. We have to fix all of that. This is the message that is being promoted by Lakewood City Schools. And yes, I would dare say probably countless other schools across Ohio and across the country. We'll we'll be right back. Ten fifty three. We continue wrapping it up. Actually, the uh, final segment. A reminder too, as we get into this uh, last segment of phone calls, uh, you got to check out the film Trump Card by Dinesh D'Souza and see the full expose of socialism and corruption and gangsterism that defines the modern Democrat Party. It's the most important election of our lifetimes, my friends. The stakes are high. The battle lines are stark. And this new film explains it all as only Dinesh D'Souza can do. Go to WatchTrumpCard.com. Pre-order your video on demand and DVD now. WatchTrumpCard.com. Don't miss this uh, this uh, important film by Dinesh D'Souza. You can order your DVD and be among the first to see Trump Card. Uh, the Trump Card movie, rather, on demand today, exclusively at WatchTrumpCard.com. That's WatchTrumpCard.com. Let me go to uh, Lakewood, and Jim wants to talk about that Lakewood football uh, presentation. Uh, hi, Jim. You're on the air. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking the call. Yeah, that sure. was uh, actually it was the first time I heard in its entirety play uh, right before we went to break, and it, you know, it literally sounded like propaganda, like virtue signaling. It was that was pretty hard, but. Uh, uh, anyways, I live in Lakewood. Uh, I'm a Trump Republican. I'm a homeowner here in the city. Uh, I just recently in the spring got the house. So it is concerning to me that my taxes are going towards the school system directives. But uh just want to let you know, make a comment that I will most definitely be contacting my representatives and, you know, making uh, an endeavor to uh, change the direction of what I just heard. Uh, secondly, an observation uh, this weekend, walking with my wife, you know, took like a five-mile walk, or I was counting Biden signs, about like 48 signs in, in, in an entirety of like, you know, several streets. And uh, I just noticed that out of all those signs, two of them had American flags. Uh, and one of them had actually a manipulated Biden picture on it. It was pretty disrespectful, in my opinion. I'm a, you know, veteran, uh, Iraq, Afghanistan veteran, so take these things kind of personal, the flag personal, our values personal. Um, so it was just an indication of, uh, there's no shared values. There's, you know, they, they want to propose all these, uh, everything that the Biden Harris, you know, are, you know, putting forward, but it's, it's almost a indication of civics not being in our schools. And, you know, I just came to this observation this weekend and I hear what's going on in the city schools. So obviously, yeah. well, let me let me jump in here, my friend, and thank you, Jim, for the phone call and the great uh, uh, information. Uh, yeah, Lakewood is is off the rails, um, and you should be questioning whether or not you should pay t- uh, taxes, property taxes, to fund a school district that is going to uh, indoctrinate people and to divide people and to do the things that they're doing, especially at high school football games. Uh, as it pertains to the signs, yeah, uh, my wife and I decided this a long time ago as we drive through neighborhoods and drive through cities for various reasons, and we start counting Trump signs versus Biden signs um what we started doing is counting um uh, yards that had no no sign whatsoever but had flags out those counted as trump signs 
If you support the flag, you can pretty much be assured that they're going to be voting Trump. If you do see no flag whatsoever or you do see a Biden sign, you better believe you, you better uh, uh, understand they don't support this country, at least as it's currently comprised. Barb is in Parma. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Hi, Barb. Go ahead. Good morning, Bob. You know, I just for the first time heard that statement that was made over the PA for Lakewood. And, and you know what really cooks me is the fact that they ask people to stand and remain standing. Okay. So what about those who kneel in the NFL and such like that? But, you know, how does that compare to, uh, well, it can't compare to the students out in Chardon who wanted to bring in the, the black li- the uh, blue line um, the thin flag. blue line flag, yeah. I mean, I'm just like up in the air on this thing. This is like making me nuts. Uh, and and yeah, um, they did it. The Chardon kids did it out of respect. And this is being shoved down everybody's throat. So then I go in and I turn on my computer and I, I have Yahoo and I look and I thought, gee, this heading has changed. You know, you get those things where you can open up your mail or you can do this or that. Now they have a new segment that you can open up and it's BLM. Wow! Really? Yeah, that's, that's what that, I. Yeah, said. well, that well, that that shouldn't surprise you because all and thank you for the call. Uh, all of the Hollywood tech people—that's exactly what they do. They are like-minded. To your other point about Chardon, this is the frustrating thing. All of these school districts are of the same mindset. The Chardon kids, or uh, I'm, I'm sorry, not the Chardon kids, which was the other school. <clears throat> Where they ran the uh, thin blue line and the thin red line flag out on uh, on uh, um, 9/11, the anniversary of 9/11. Those kids got suspended for supporting police and firefighters on 9/11. Suspended. Meanwhile, over at Lakewood, they're telling everybody, white people, you are racist. Black people, you are victims. And we need to work on uh, work on fixing the systemic racism uh, that this country is responsible for. So literally, if you try to say I support police and I support America, you can be suspended. If you say, I hate America and think it's a, it's a systemically racist, disgusting uh, uh, nation, then you are celebrated. It is just so off the rails. I apologize. I left people on hold. We had a lot of stuff that we had to do today. But uh, please, call me tomorrow. Call me a little earlier. We'll get you up and on the radio. But that's all the time we have today. Thanks for being a part of the show. Thanks to Jim Jordan and Katrina Pearson, my guests. Peter Kirsten, I will be my guest tomorrow as we get ready for that first debate. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.